climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream, a dream that will need all the love you can give every day of your life for as long as you live oh hello everybody today on legendary wrestling videos we have scott and jeff from the fully possible wrestling video podcast should be a lot of fun enjoy the show Hey everyone, this is the 80s wrestling fan Brian, and I'm back with another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I'm super excited. I got uh, the uh, figure, wrestling figure podcast gods. I got uh, Scott <laughs> and Jeff Toon from Fully Posable, the longest running uh, episodic wrestling figure podcast out there going. I think it's over five years. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I'm like I say, I'm super excited to talk to you guys. I, I know we're uh, of the same era and uh, a lot of the same fandom, so I can't wait to uh, to get into it. Uh, yeah, and like the same age too. We were talking before we started recording how close you and your brother are in age, uh, same as Jeff and I, and just the timing of it all and the same era, dude. That's insane. The similarities are unreal. It is, yeah. So I was uh, born in '74, and Scott was too, and my brother yep. was '78, and I think Jeff was '79. So it's a interesting yep. dynamic. Um, and I grew up in uh, a little north of you guys in uh, Oroville, California, and moved to Chico when I was about 20. Where are you guys? Uh, where did you guys grow up? We grew up in San Leandro, California, which is right it borders Oakland, California, you know, about 15 minutes away from San Francisco. We were there basically our whole lives. And Scott moved away when he was in his mid-20s to late 20s. Um, I was there until my late 20s as well. And I just moved one city over to Alameda, California, and Scott moved out to Tracy. Very cool. Do you, when did uh, How old were you guys when you discovered wrestling? Was it something where Scott got into it first and Jeff, you kind of followed along for the ride? It, yeah, it was one of those things. And I've told the story so many times on the show. Uh, didn't even know what wrestling was. I was completely unfamiliar with it. And I'm in Toys R Us one day. I think I was looking for mask toys or something like that or He-Man or G.I. Joe something. And I'm walking down the aisle and I see this big blue card and this giant rubber figure inside, and it was Jimmy Superfly Snooka. I had no idea about wrestling. I just saw this figure, and it was so different because everything at that time was, you know, anywhere from three and three-quarter inch to a six-inch scale, maybe. Everything was kind of on the smaller side. And here was this gigantic rubber figure. It was like seven inches tall and, you know, very colorful, and the card art was beautiful. And I looked at this thing. I was like, what the hell is this? And I'm, I'm looking at the front of the card. I'm looking at the Jimmy Snooker figure and I'm looking at the back of the card to see what else is there. And I was, it, it was one of those things I was instantly hooked and I wanted to learn more about it. And I asked my mom, can I get this? And she goes, the last thing you need is another collection. Absolutely not. You're not even into wrestling. Like, no, this is not happening. So it was almost like challenge accepted. Let's do this. And it was just at that point, a deep dive and it's lasted for 40 plus years. <laughs> and here wow. we are talking about him to this day <laughs> wow nice 
Yeah. Did you, uh, did you talk her into it that day or did you uh, have to go become a fan and then go back a couple weeks later? (laughs) Well, no, what had happened is I guess she ended up telling uh, our aunt Carolyn about it. And so for Christmas that year, we got a Hulk Hogan LJN and that's when Jeff got hooked. So I had the Hulk Hogan. That was my first one and opened it up, was kind of playing with it, walked away. And then Jeff came up on the figure and that's when he was like, oh, what is this? And then that sparked his passion for it. And then it was must view every Saturday morning, watching it on channel two, 10 a.m. It, it was, it, we had to watch it. It was appointment viewing. Yeah, I think I watched the same syndicated uh, program you did. It was probably championship wrestling at that time. And then um, as we're recording, it's actually the 37th anniversary of the switch over to superstars of wrestling when they started filming that, where they uh, brought in Jesse back from Predator and uh, Kamala returned and Coco Beware was introduced, but uh, they switched over from that. Right there. Yeah, that's some knowledge. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> well, it's also cool. I was watching the same channel too, syndicated up here for that programming. So um, very cool. I remember uh, a lot of the little... Uh, oh, the inf- not infomercials, but the little commercials with the uh, the puppets, and you're gonna need lots of glue. And one, things not to do borrowing without asking, yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, and breaking so. the guy's window and going up and telling him the truth. Yeah. Oh, Mr. yeah, Robinson, Mr. Robinson, what a horrible mess! Yeah, I broke my the window with my ball, and I've come to confess. <laughs> Yeah, the mo- you guys that was are a Mormon singing the song right now. Watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I told the truth. I told the truth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was for the Mormons, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it was definitely those commercials, and I just remember how real it was to me when I first started watching. One of my initial memories in watching Saturday morning wrestling was when Mister Wonderful turned on Hogan, and oh. I think I was 11, 12 when that went down, and. Yeah. It 12. scarred me. Yeah. Like yeah, I that... was hurt. Like Mr. Wonderful beat up Hulk Hogan. That's not supposed to happen. What that was my first like heel turn happened to one of my favorites. And it literally scarred me to where I went to school the next weekend. That's all that me and my wrestling friends were talking about. Like we could not believe what he did. We were so mad at him. We hated his guts. We wanted to see Hogan beat his ass. We were just, we were so mad. And it, it was so real back then. And it's just it's one of those things that wrestling when it got its hooks into me it never let go i just i loved it so much and it was such a deep dive and then having the figures to go along with that you know because we were still playing with toys back then too it it was just it was one of those love affairs that started with wrestling and wrestling figures and like i said here we are 40 years later still talking about it yeah yeah did you guys uh do you remember if you watched I'm trying to think if the Christmas you got your first uh, Hulk Hogan LJN, if it was right before WrestleMania one, like in uh, uh, Christmas 84, or if it was uh, Christmas 85, right before WrestleMania two. I, I, you know what? It had to be the first WrestleMania. So I think it was 84. Cause at first I thought it was 85, but we were getting Hulk Hogan LJN series one and I don't even remember if LJN Series 1 was still on the pegs when uh, when it, things were around in 85. So I'm not sure. So I think it was 84. I think it was Christmas 84. I think it was When 84. we got that first Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah. And then finally getting my hands on that snooker. That was amazing. I'm like, see, Mom, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, did you guys, uh, I'm sure you saw when you were watching the weekly programming, you'd see the, uh, the interviews and the segments where they'd talk about the up showing, upcoming shows for either the Cal Palace or the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, how, wow. how long was it before you got to talk to your folks about uh, and talk them into getting to go to shows? So that was our first show was in July of 86. And I know you love house shows uh, because you, you, I don't know how you remember a lot of the shows that you went to but I have very limited memory of exactly what happened on those shows. But Same, I do, yeah. I do remember our first house show. The very opening match was Kerpel Kirshner against Nikolai Volkov. The, nice. I, the other thing I remember is Miss Elizabeth not looking like Miss Elizabeth. She came out with Randy Savage. Randy Savage was in the main event against Junkyard Dog. Ooh, um, yeah. and, and Scott and I have talked about this a few times on the show as well, <laughs> that... Um, they got into a spitting match in the very first like six, five, four, three minutes of like them entering the ring. And they got into a spitting match. And Scott always jokes around that like people in the front row were like dodging loogies from Savage because Savage was standing on the top rope, spitting down at JYD. <laughs> Became like a Gallagher show. <laughs> people like holding tarps yeah. in the front row. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah, man. It was so much fun back then. Uh it, 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 what was funny is is we had to see we had to see exactly what was going on and then we would get our ljns and we would mimic what was on tv in our ring like we never deviated from storylines like if orndorff turned on hogan orndorff turned on hogan in our ljn ring too. yeah that was happening in our matches too yep yeah definitely and then uh do you remember um well, let, let, let's say this. How long? How long is it before you got your ring? Was it like a fairly quick thing that you you had the ring pretty much right away? Yeah, yeah. It, you couldn't have the figures without the ring, right? Or are you going to wrestle on your carpet, wrestle on your bed? Like, no, you had to have that gigantic plastic structure that would impale children, and we didn't care because we loved it. You had to have it. You're throwing your Bundy around the ring and bouncing them off the ropes. You absolutely had to have the ring. I want to say. We got Hogan for Christmas. I would say probably January or February we had the ring. Nice. Maybe your birthday you got the ring. Very cool. I'm thinking that's, yeah. I'm thinking, that, again, it's, God, the older I get, the worse my memory gets with those things. They start to fade and get a little more vague. But, yeah, it was probably for my birthday we got, like, the Snooka figure. And I say we because it, it's one of those things we both had our own, I think, for the first, what? Two series. For the first two series, we each had our own figures. But then it got to a point where they couldn't keep buying because the, the series kept expanding and the number of figures per wave. So it was one of those things where our parents couldn't afford to buy us each a Hogan or each a Junkyard Dog, whatever. So we ended up having to share the figures at some point. So it kind of became a shared collection. So when we, I, we did get the ring, we ended up getting two of them. And so Jeff had his ring with all of his figures piled in it in his room. I had my own. And then at some point we ended up having to exchange figures because we only had one each. And that was a problem because Jeff liked to chew the fingers. Yeah. That was uh, a, <laughs> yeah. I would like gnaw on those things like hot dogs, dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, they we still uh, don't know what happened to Miss Elizabeth's skirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would attribute your, uh, your great relationship today to having to share your figures. Maybe that's uh, right. Yeah. You know, Scott and I always had uh, wrestling. We always had baseball in common. And those have been always those two and video games and video games. And those have always been our two staples, you know, even to today. 
we'll still talk wrestling. As you guys know, we have the podcast. We still talk baseball. We're in fantasy baseball leagues. In fact, uh, Tim from pulling up a chair is in our fantasy baseball league. Yeah. So um, he's, it's just, it's those two passions that we've always had that still keeps our bond today. Yeah, Tim asked me, uh, he said, make sure you mention fantasy baseball when you talk to the Toon Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Tim was he actually joking. Tim he, was he was uh, kicking your ass, and they said, no, 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 it's the other way around this time. So, <laughs> Well, he's kicking my ass this week, though. I'm actually playing Tim this week, and he's whooping my ass this week. Huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah Tim, <laughs> you, you've probably heard Tim's story. He grew up next to somebody that worked at the Cow Palace, so he got to go like yep. every month. Yeah, he got he was working with or sorry, yeah, he grew up next to someone and they ended up like, Hey, uh, do you want some tickets to wrestling? Oh, they're coming around like he didn't know, but he knew. <laughs> so yep, when was the yep. first time we saw Hogan at a house show? Hogan was in nineteen eighty seven. He took on Was I, it Kamala or Adrian Adonis? It was either Kamala or Big Boss Man. I think it was Kamala. I think it was Kamala then. If it wasn't a so who did we see Adrian fight? Was that JYD? I think so. Okay, because I remember one of the first shows we went to, it wasn't the first one. It was probably the second one. Adrian Adonis was on the card. Mm -hmm. And so was Jake Roberts, too. And Jake was on that one. Okay, because I was trying to remember the day. I'm like, who was the first person we saw Hogan face live? So it was Kamala then. Because I thought it was either Kamala or Adrian. So you saying Kamala or Boss Man, I think it was Kamala. Hey, Brian, did you, I don't know if you've listened to or heard when we were talking about our house shows, but uh, did you hear that one, man? I heard a little bit of it. It's been a while, and I don't remember it as well i was on the road somewhere and listening to one where you guys were talking about house shows but uh so but yeah if jake if jake was there it had to have been 86 and uh if adrian was adorable then uh then it basically would have had been 86. Been, it probably would have been um 86 because uh you know he wasn't quite in that I, I think a, jimmy called him adorable at the wrestling classic but that was in november and he wasn't doing that gimmick yet and so it, it didn't show up until uh early uh 86 and so adrian story that wrestling yeah. classic that move that he did to kirshner to finish that match was oh, freaking brutal dude the it? ddt went, yes the ddt it was so gnarly looking when i went because we reviewed it for drunk wrestling history we watched that show and it was pretty awful but i i remember watching that match and as soon as i saw the move i'm like Dude, I remember watching that back in like 1988 and going, oh my God, he just killed Corporal Kirsten. Like, that's why he disappeared was because of that move. It was such a gnarly DDT, dude. I was like, I didn't know Adrian did that. That was insane. Yeah. I, almost, I wonder if they made him stop doing that when uh, when Jake came over because they didn't want two guys using that finisher. But Good uh, point. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, the whole wrestling classic, I, uh, I didn't see it until maybe... I don't know, eight eight years ago, something like that. And I just love all the quirkiness as far as all the finishers and the uh, you know the the referee that looks like he's you know expired and the uh, <laughs> yes or some matches where they didn't even have a referee. <laughs> yeah, junkyard dog has to hit his you know count his yes. own pinfall. Yeah, yeah, and it so. worked. It, it, they they actually counted the match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No ref. I, I'd love to know the story behind that, but uh, yeah. That, <laughs> That whole tournament. So, so many weird finishes. Terry Funk, uh, you know, something like, here's a, uh, right after Terry Funk's passing, here's something that was so genius with Terry Funk is that the wrestling classic, the interview, everybody remembers that the wrestling classic who's seen it when he spits at the camera, uh, he takes this big wad of chewing tobacco and spits tobacco juice at the camera before he goes out to face Moondog Spot. 
But uh, one of the really cooler things on there is I'm sure he's going off script because he says, well, I want to face the the winner of the Hogan Piper match and Piper's going to win. Piper's going to be the new heavyweight champion. So I want Piper. And it's just like, damn, he's so he was such a uh, a great storyteller and bringing that aspect of bringing realism into it and and kind of going out of the box and, and predicting Piper would win and then not caring and be at such a heel that he's going to challenge another heel, uh, Roddy Piper to a match. So one of, one of my favorite little short run of Terry Funk, uh, uh, things that he did to kind of enhance the story. Oh, absolutely. And it's too bad. We didn't get that match with Piper too. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Two icons for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the other thing I was, uh, uh, I think you guys saw, I was just trying to uh, repaint a Terry Funk for the first time. And I was trying to look for what, what gear I wanted to use. And uh, I couldn't, I kept having a hard time finding which chaps he wore because the wrestling classic attire, that's actually what he wears um, for the LJN design. It's like a greenish chaps and red boots. Um, the little frills at the bottom of that LJN are, are beige instead of red. Like they painted them red on the LJN but I wanted to do something different and uh, you only see it for a short amount of time on the uh, WrestleMania two broadcast and on one of the main events, but he has a pair of blue chaps that have like three stars on each side and a, and a horseshoe the right way to not lose the luck out of it. And the double cross uh, brand down at the bottom. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't think I've ever seen it on a wrestling figure, but I wanted to ask you guys if you've ever seen any wrestling figures where Terry's got blue chaps on with those uh with those designs on them hmm. not to my knowledge not to my knowledge either uh, uh, the legends series the the first legends batch from mattel that, that was terry a, was in he didn't have that no. that color right no, no it was a beige it was a beige color and then uh, when we were reviewing his figures the other night you had mentioned he had a was it a share pro that wasn't in that outfit right? no he did have he, he did have a share pro that had three stars on the front on the trunks Oh, on the trunks. Yeah, but that's the only one I that was different. Okay, gotcha. No, and that Jeff just showed me a picture of it too. That looks great. Thanks. Yeah, I was thinking uh, what I need to do is uh, get hooked up with Michael Canick, and if he can get the rights to Terry Funk and bring that big rubber guys to the market, <laughs> that would be a really sweet design. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that big rubber guys line. And, you know, it's one thing Jeff and I have talked about, Brian, and I'm just wondering if this bothered you as a kid. Um, when you got a figure and he was in, say, entrance gear, like, for example, the Terry Funk in his chaps or Nikolai Volkov in his uh, red shirt, did that bother you at all in, in, in terms bit. of how often you use the figure? A little bit, like having my favorite Roddy Piper in his shirt, you know, or, you know, you could take the kilt off. You wished you could take the shirt off. And yes. then, uh, you know, I didn't have DiBiase and – um I, you know, that was I stopped collecting after uh, 1987. So that from 88 on up, I didn't have any of those figures. But gotcha. yeah, it, it like the DiBiase that kind of bugs me with the uh, with that. You know, I, I appreciate it now, but it you know it would have bothered me back then. Or or actually, I wanted Jesse Ventura in announcing gear because I mainly knew him as an announcer. So yeah, absolutely yes, hundred percent. Same, same thing with Bruno San Martino. Like I forgot that oh, he yeah. was even a wrestler, but if you go back and you watch a lot of those Boston Garden shows, he was facing Macho Man, or he was you know they, he would show up sporadically to face someone. And I was like, oh, I don't want him. I know him as an announcer. I don't. I don't want him in his trunks. Yeah, yeah. But that's funny because that was kind of like the first actual Legends line was when they came out with Bruno. Like, yeah, he was oh. doing appearances live, 
But like you said, they were very sporadic. Would have made more sense to make him as an announcer. But that was actually, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, like the first like Legends figure. That's a good point. That's a good point. No, I agree. He was uh, it was the first one where it's like, okay, we, you know, my brother and I, we got him. And and here's something I wanted to ask you guys too. Okay, so, um, I I was again about four years older, three years, seven months older than my brother. And so as we're getting our figures, we ended up getting 20 each. So we had 40 LJNs and I rescued them in 2012 um, around Christmas time and brought them to my house. Now, uh, it wasn't until 2015, 2016, where I collected all the rest of the line. But do you guys remember how many figures you had as kids? Oh, man, you know, it's actually easier to tell you who we didn't have uh, yeah. because we were very, very fortunate our parents bought us pretty much all the LJNs, uh, including the Bendy's, the Bendy ring that came with the blue knee pads, Hogan. Thumb yeah. uh, we had thumb wrestlers. We had the Remco's. And then when Galoobs and Hasbro started coming out, they were buying us those as well. So we were very, very fortunate that we can actually tell you which ones we didn't have. Um, I know we didn't have Vince. We didn't have Outback Jack. Uh, we didn't. Do did we have we didn't have Slick. We didn't have Slick. We didn't have Kamala, but we do have Kamala now. We didn't have Haku, but we got Haku now. Uh, Jimmy Valiant. We didn't have Jimmy Valiant. We got Jimmy Valiant now, though. Yeah, so, so we've kind of gone and backfilled the collection. Um, so, I mean, we're talking probably less than seven figures total out of the entire line that we didn't have. So, again, we wow. were very, very fortunate growing up. And, you know, we didn't each have our own. We did for the first couple series. But we were able to uh, tolerate each other long enough <laughs> to share wrestling figures. <laughs> now as grownups who got to bring them home. Actually, that's funny. You mentioned that Scott and I went to our grandmother's house and she had a separate garage and a majority of the figures were in that garage. So I picked up a majority of them and brought them to my house. Like you rescued them. But if you go back to that, uh, to our grandmother's house, there's still some in that garage that we still need to pick up because, you know, we have little cars. We couldn't stuff everything into the car. We had to, you know, we were able to grab what we could grab. There's, there's quite a bit in that garage. It's a lot of eighties nostalgia in there between WWF magazines, WWF Bendems, um, Remco's are probably in there. Well, to <laughs> our parents, well, I've got the Remco's. You've here. got the Remco's here. I apologize. Uh, but to our parents credit, you know, I know as a parent, a lot of my kids stuff when they outgrew it, it either got donated or thrown out and our parents didn't do that. They basically took, so like when I moved out and when Jeff moved out, they took all of our toys or we took all of our toys, took them over to our grandmother's garage. Cause like Jeff said, it's a separate garage, just kind of sitting there. And we threw all the stuff in the garage. So I've got, I know GI Joe's there's He-Man in there. Uh, you name an eighties toy line. There's probably toys of that in that garage. Uh, Jeff has some in there as well, but yeah, Jeff's right. There's thumb wrestlers. There's some LJN still floating around in there. So we were very fortunate. They didn't just throw all that stuff out because we can go get it basically whenever we want. Yeah, that's excellent. <clears throat> I've still, uh, I've still got all my GI Joes that, uh, same thing. My brother let me have them and he let me have the wrestlers. Um, and I've got all my transformers, but oh, there wow. was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, uh, figures and and toys that my dad ended up giving away so oh. yeah. okay well here's the million dollar question you mentioned gi joe so we gotta ask it did you have the flag 
Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't I did, either. Still scarred. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know anybody that had the flag. So yeah. Did Our you guys have Big Dave had it? Oh wow. Yeah. And it was one of those things. It was so gigantic. And they had a one story house, like a three bedroom, two or three bedroom. Uh anyway, it was so large, they had no choice but to put it in their front room. So he came wow. out Christmas morning. It was completely constructed. His dad had stayed up all night the night before, built this thing out, and they had video of Dave coming in. He's like, oh, my God, I got it. And every time I went over there after that, all I wanted to do was play with the USS flag. And he was always oh, like, man. no, let's go ride bikes. But I'm like, no, screw you, dude. The flag is sitting right here. Let's not go <laughs> ride bikes. Let's play G.I. Joe. And, it, yeah, I only knew one person that had it growing up, and it is, it's a total grail piece for me. And I know we're not here to talk about GI Joes, but anybody who mentions it, I've got to ask them if they had it. Oh, definitely that. And uh, I can just imagine that your buddy that had it, he's got like prom pictures and the, uh, the flag is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately for him, I think he had about six months before his parents were like, you know what? We got to move this thing. And so they disassemble. I think they put it in like three pieces and it, he still has it today. It's sitting in a storage shed, kind of like our 80s toys in our grandmother's garage. Uh, he's got a bunch of his 80s toys, a lot of them still in the original box. Uh, and he had Star Wars, G.I. Joe wrestling, you name it. Uh, but they've got it in a little storage shed in the back of his parents' house. But yeah, he's still got a USS flag sitting back there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I still have uh, the Star Wars figures, but I think a lot of the the ships um, got, you know, got given away, unfortunately. So, oh, oh yeah, no. it happens, yep. man. It happens. That's just, you know. It's part of growing up. Thank God our parents were hoarders. <laughs> yeah, right. Still are today, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works yep. in our favor. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, let me uh, hit on our first uh, figure to review. Um, what kind of star rating and feelings do you guys have for the Big John Stud LJN? I'll go first. If you're going to just go like a, a five-star rating, what would each of you give Big John Stud's LJN? Can okay. we go decimal points or do we have to use whole numbers? You can do no, decimal. you can go decimal. We can go decimals. Okay, okay, cool. So I do have to ask a question. Are we going nostalgia? Or are we going just off figure looks alone? So I figure as long as it's consistent for your whole uh, run of these first nine figures that I'm kind of asking everybody about, as long as Very each good. person is consistent with their own ideals, that's all you care. That's all I care about. Uh, okay, because if we're going nostalgia, I'm going like 4.999. But if we're going off aesthetics, I'm going to say a 3.9. I wasn't a fan of how he was kind of in a squat position because that really took away from Big John Stud showing how tall and how big he actually was. But they all had that. So did Andre. Yeah, Hogan. Hogan had that. So I wasn't a fan of that. And unfortunately, Big John Stud gets lumped into that. Um, you know, I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna... my theory is on that is that uh, it was all because of the bubble packaging and they probably had limits of how tall they could make them. So they figured, well, let's Good go point. Good point. the tall guys. So, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go 3.9. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that weren't fans of him being kind of lopsided in the body slam position, but I actually liked that. It looked like he was actually delivering a body slam yeah. the way his body was kind of cocked off to the one side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to go 3.9 on the big John stud. I'm going to go right. 4.2 because I really like his outfit choice on that one. Good call. Uh, I loved the tights with the red boots and the stars and everything. And I've seen people actually repaint that one. They go with like the baby blue tights, which I love. And I thought that was a great choice. Um, I didn't mind the head sculpt at all. 
No. I thought the head sculpt was really well done. I loved the pose because that's one thing with LJNs. If you had a bad pose, see Rick Rude, you couldn't do much with the figure. You couldn't play with it. But that John Studd was in a body slam pose. So you, you know, you really open up the list of moves that you can do with that figure. And it made playtime with that figure way more fun. And I used it a ton. Um, I'm going to go 4.2. Overall, I really, really like that John Studd. Very cool. The uh, Rick Rude, it was funny. I wanted to talk to you guys about it. one of my theories is they've got him just at the point where he's about to either rip off tearaway tights or pull him <laughs> down past his knees and show off the uh, Cheryl Roberts tights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. All right, Brian, I'm going to I'm going to turn the tables on you. Heart Foundation uh, figures, the two pack. What's your star rating? For the, uh, you mean the uh, the new ones that are coming out, the Coliseum I'm, collection? I'm sorry, the LJNs. The LJNs. Oh, I'm a big fan of the Heart Foundation. Did you guys have pink or purple? We had pink. Yeah, me too. And I feel fortunate for that. And so, yeah, yeah um, Brett's one of my very favorite uh, wrestlers. He's probably top four or five all time. Probably mm -hmm. top four. Uh, love Anvil Neidhart. What's funny is those two guys are the ones that my buddy Eric and I, when we would be at the pool and using my brother's enhancement talent, those were the two guys <laughs> that we would uh, pretend that we were as I would be the hitman and my buddy Eric would be Jim the Anvil Neidhart. So. Okay, so there's another similarity because the guy who had the USS flag, Big Dave, he and I were a tag team and Jeff was our enhancement talent. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we would usually be the road warriors. Uh -huh. oh, and wow. I was, yeah, I was usually animal or Hawk flying off the top of the couch, giving Jeff a doomsday device. I don't know how I wasn't decapitated I, uh... <laughs> or a broken neck. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I love we, it. The similarities are crazy. Yeah. We would use the, uh, in the pool. It was great. Cause he could just uh, go for the heart attack and I could jump off the side of the pool and deliver the clip line. So. <laughs> I love it. I wish we had a pool that would have cushioned Jeff's fall a little bit more, but uh, he, he was a rough kid. Um, so what's your star rating on the Heart Foundation LJNs? Oh, if I'm doing them as a two-pack, um, shoot, I'll go I'll go high. I'll go 4.8 as a two-pack. I like and it. Then, like it. Yeah, if I was going to uh, rate them individually, um, it would be it probably you know what it'd probably be about that on each of the figures individually the uh the little smirk on on brett's face and the the way that he mine at least doesn't quite stand perfectly and his his just uh his stance is just a little bit off mm -hmm. and so and you know so like i say uh i'd still give them both a high rating love both of them so yeah I'd, i'll just say 4.8 on each and 4.8 on the set great okay. great tag team set Okay. I love it. Yep. Good call. Right on. Uh, I'll, I'll get to another one. Um, Hillbilly Jim. What do you guys think about the Hillbilly Jim action figure, the, the LJN? I actually liked it. I love the inclusion of the hat. That was one of the great things about LJN was the accessories that they uh, chose to include. Um, I thought that they captured him really well. Uh, didn't really mind the pose too much. So I think on Hillbilly, I'm going to go a straight four. Oh, you're going green score, rookie, rookie score. Yeah, I'm going rookie score on Hillbilly Jim. Just it's there's not much you can do with Hillbilly Jim, right? He has a t-shirt or a, a tank top on under the overalls, the hat, the big beard. I thought that they captured him well, but it's just it's an okay figure. I'm gonna go straight for rookie score. I'm gonna go 3.6 on Hillbilly just because I wasn't a fan of the belly on him. It almost like took away from the figure, even though he had a belly. 
I thought he was more cut up than that. What the figure himself or him? no actual hillbilly Jim. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the belly on him. Um, I did like the look of the figure and I thought the cartoonish look of hillbilly Jim was fantastic and well done by LJN. Yeah. They got the face really good. They got the face. I didn't mind the pose at, at all. So I'm going to go 3.6 on hillbilly. All right. And let's do one more to round out the episode. How are, what are you guys feelings on Nikolai Volkov? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I always had a problem with they were when they were in entrance gear. So don't get me wrong. Like when we were playing with LJNs, Nikolai was one of those heels. He was pretty much going to be in a majority of your matches when you were matching him up, say like against Hogan or, you know, you team him up with the Iron Sheik, which was great. So you could do singles or tag. I used him a ton. To this day, I it's it's one of those things like you had mentioned earlier with it, like the DiBiase. Like you appreciate it now, but back then you're like, man, why does he got to be in his entrance gear? But I can look at it now. And yes, nostalgia definitely weighs into it. I love the inclusion of the hat. Again, a, a strong point of LJN was the accessories. I thought the sculpt was really good. He didn't have bended knees. Uh, it, it was very accurate. On uh, Nikolai, I'm going 4-6. Oh, you're going four six. I'm going high, dude. That Nikolai looks good. Wow. Yep. And again, I I did deduct a little bit because he's in his entrance gear. If you could take the shirt off, like the Roddy Piper, it would probably be a 4.7, 4.8. I think that they captured Nikolai really well. I'm gonna probably go. I'm gonna go way low on this one. Three seven. Really? I didn't mind the pose. The only thing I didn't like is they didn't give him a menacing look. Like I thought he needed a little bit more of a menacing look. You thought the look had... was kind of dopey? Like Yeah, exactly. Okay. He had like a dopey look. The other thing I wasn't a fan of is if you look at the figure, he's kind of hunched a little bit up and around the upper spine area. Like he had a like a hump in his back or <laughs> okay. up in his neck or something. Hunchback Nikolai. Yeah, exactly. But I wasn't I, I, I don't know. That kind of took away from it. I didn't mind the shirt like you did. Okay. The entrance gear didn't bother me. The only thing that bothered me is that the shirt the shirts on the LGNs would rub off like a lot of the paint would. Yeah. And that one rubbed off quickly. So I'm going to go three, seven on that one. Okay. You and I differ greatly on that one, but you always score harder than I do. So you're the Simon Cowell of the group. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. What's funny is uh, when I'm removing the paint for a lot of these to, uh, to repaint them, like Terry Funk's chaps or Nikolai's shirt, that stuff will come off pretty easy. And then when you get down to the boots, a lot of times they'll be like two layers of paint where they've had um, something uh, like for Roddy Piper, for instance, he's got the white socks between his boots and his knee pads. So there's a a good amount of white paint underneath the, uh, the red on his boots. So it takes a little longer to, to get through when there's two layers of paint and, and that happens on a lot of the figures where they've kind of double dipped, it seems like, or however they applied the paint. Gotcha. Yeah, we played with these things so much that we would actually have to recolor them. So our mom had a, a drawer of these hefty markers. And I think she actually had some paint pens in like a purple looking, almost like a paint pen. Um, so I would take the LJNs when they'd get really, really beat up and they'd have a ton of paint loss. And I'd go in with the hefty markers and just start coloring over them, wait for them to dry. Um, there were some tricky ones like Iron Cheek, for example, he, with those Iran pants that he had. Yeah. That, that color was hard to get. So you had to kind of combine some colors. And so our mom, as I mentioned, had this like purpley paint. It was almost like a purple color. And I'd use that one. I'd have to go over it with like hefty blue. So like 
as like a 10 year old, 11 year old kid, I'm sitting there trying to like match up all these colors to try to color in our LJNs. And then sure enough, you know, very next match, boom, somebody takes a bump. And then here goes all of that hefty marker all over the ring. But uh, man, that was a lot of fun growing up is just playing with LJNs and having to touch them up once you were done wrestling with them because you took off a bunch of the paint. Yes, and and I'd talked to some other people before. Did you guys ever use any other action figures um, in like wrestling tournaments? Did your GI Joes ever have tournaments? No, never. And I think it's a scale thing, and it, it kind of goes for me to this day. Like I want everything to kind of when I'm when I was younger having a match, I wanted everything to be in scale. So I wasn't gonna have like my Andre the Giant wrestling Duke. because Duke's like three and three quarters Andre's like seven inches tall it wasn't fair and even when we had like the Hasbros I thought it was great when Galoops came out because they were almost the same exact size so then you could start to have dream matches but had it been you know an LJN versus Galoob I definitely wouldn't have done that it's just a scale thing playing with the figures yeah, that's what I used the bendies for that. So my Joes and my bendies would get together. So Ah, there well you go. Done. Okay. Well done, no, I never did anything like that. But like Jeff said, we were very vanilla when it came to playing with our figures is what we was what we were seeing on TV a lot of times is what we were playing in the ring. So we didn't really have the imagination to be like, oh yeah, look, the bendies are the same size as the G.I. Joes. Let's let's have a battle royal. We never did that. Yeah, if they'd had a uh a black storm shadow it could have been the super ninja on Saturday night's main event coming up against warrior. You know, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. <laughs> a, a warrior in the bendies line. So I was yeah, kind of yeah. the, uh, the bendies line, you know, only having the 18 plus the, the 19th with the blue knee pads. I, I wanted that line to continue. I don't know how, how much did you guys like that bendies line? We used them a little bit. It wasn't for Scott and I, it was a lot of, we would LJNs took up a bunch of our playtime. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean like a mess load. Then we would grab Rabcos. We'd have, we play with Rabcos for about 30, 40 minutes, but the Remco ring would go right back in. And then the bendies, we would just kind of mess with and just kind of bend our arms up, you know, twist them around a little bit, but it wasn't really full on playing. Cause if we were going to play, it was going to be the LJNs. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really use the bendies. As, we probably used them a little more when we got the ring. Yeah. Cause I think we got the ring Christmas 85. If I'm not mistaken, you know better than I do. 85, 86. God, I'm, I'm losing track. I took too many pucks to the head, man. Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely had the bendy ring after we had collected a majority of the bendy. So I think we played with them a little bit more when we got the ring, you know, because I had the cage and everything. But yeah, really, when it came to playing with wrestling figures, it was definitely LJN number one, Remco's number two, and bendies were kind of a distant third. Yeah, the uh, I saw the Remcos in the stores, but I never ended up getting one. I uh, for some reason I wasn't a big fan of that style. But you guys also collected He-Man, right? They're very similar to the He-Man figures. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm actually surprised you didn't have a set of the Road Warriors. It seemed like every kid in the '80s had a Hulk Hogan LJN and a set of Remco Road Warriors. Yeah, for some reason I just never uh, pulled the trigger on the Remcos. I just didn't like them. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, they were kind of different for the time because they had soft goods accessories, you know, as far as like the entrance jackets and whatnot. It was all removable. So that was one thing I really liked about the Remcos is everybody was ring ready. You know, there was no worrying about like Nikolai's shirt is on or Piper's shirt is on or Honky Tonk Man is in his jumpsuit. Everybody was ready to go in the ring. You know, you lose the accessories, boom, time to have a match. So I really loved the Remcos for that reason. I just wish that the Matt Mania series would have been more readily available around us. Because basically, once the two-pack stopped, 
uh, I think the last set I saw was the black card grudge matches and then never saw Remco's again. So we completely missed out on the Matt Mania series. And now they're so expensive. They're hard to even touch under like two, 300 bucks. So yeah. I, and I, I wish honestly, and I, we've talked about this on the show. I wish Remco would have continued that line and gone into the NWA figures. I wish they had been able to get the NWA license to piggyback with the AWA, because then you're talking figures like Magnum TA, Nikolai Volkov, uh, the four horsemen. I think it would have been odd. They had made flair already, but you know, you throw Tully Arn and say Barry Windham or even Ole Anderson in there, you know, that gives that line a second life. Nikita. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah. Oh, and I know you mean uh, Nikita Koloff, but yeah, Nikita Koloff. Oh, I said Nikolai. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. We're still thinking about his figure. Yeah, if we have the rest of him. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Let me me get right back into this conversation on our next episode, but I'm going to – I'm going to cut this one right here and thank you guys both so much for coming on the show. It's so fun talking to you. Um, I will, uh, I will reach out to you very quick and we'll hit our next three figures. If that sounds good to you guys. Sounds great, man. All right. Thanks so much uh, for another episode of legendary wrestling figures. This is Brian talking with uh, Jeff and Scott. I will uh, be back shortly. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. Hey everyone, I've come back for one reason, to recommend the fully posable wrestling figure podcast. It has Jeff and Scott, the Poon Brothers. They've been doing this podcast five years. It is the longest running episodic wrestling figure podcast. If you like what you hear today, I'm sure you'll like their show. you probably heard it before. Next time they're on Legendary Wrestling Figures, they go over my 1984 LGN figure. I'm sure they will like it. Until then, check out Fully Possible Wrestling Figure Podcast. You find it everywhere you listen to your podcast. Alright, thanks so much for listening. Check them out.